But the changes that have been happening in the last few years have been have been rapid. And I think that's why they really zeroed in looking at Philadelphia. And I think that's a charge for us as people who care about our city and love our city and, and know that we need investment and redevelopment, but, but also really want to attack issues of inequality and, and displacement to think, well, let's do this differently than they did it in those other places. Let's, let's revitalize Philadelphia in a way that actually benefits the people that are here. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. out there listening and welcome to another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Our first guest is Beth McConnell, Policy Director of the Philadelphia Association of Community Development Corporations. PACDC represents more than 100 member organizations, including nearly 50 community development corporations who work to develop affordable housing, revitalize commercial corridors, and stabilize Philadelphia's neighborhoods. Beth works to advance a policy agenda that helps them do their great work. She leads PACDC's efforts to advance city, state, and federal policies that help community development corporations revitalize Philadelphia's neighborhoods and rebuild communities. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you so much for having me, Alina. So let's jump right in. The National Community Reinvestment Coalition earlier this year released a research report about gentrification in various cities And Philadelphia has the dubious distinction of being one of the worst cities for black residents being displaced. Can you tell us about the broad findings of the NCRC study? Sure. So um, NCRC um, looked at uh, census tracts throughout uh, Philadelphia and actually cities all over the country and measured things like increases in property values from the year 2000 to 2010, um, household income, educational attainment, and other measures. Um, and when they, what, when they looked closely, they found that Philadelphia actually ranked pretty high for the pace of gentrification compared to other cities in the country. And I want to zero in a little bit on the corner of Broad and Washington and the census tracks that are right there. And uh, people who are listening, if you if you go to www.ncrc.org, you can actually zoom in on this interactive map and look at the corner I'm about to talk about or your own neighborhood. So in a couple census tracks right there, we actually saw that over the periods of t- 2000 and 2010, property values doubled or tripled, household income doubled or tripled, population grew. The white population grew by about 770 and the black population decreased by about the same amount. So we see a very specific example there of where black residents were unable to stay and benefit from the positive changes. Is there kind of like a textbook definition of what gentrification is? There are as many definitions of gentrification, I think, as there are people. <laughs> so, But I think it's really important to um, distinguish between the difference between redevelopment, 
revitalization, and gentrification. Uh, gentrification is a process by which uh, uh, redevelopment and revitalization happens in a way that benefits one group of people at the expense of another. Uh, revitalization and redevelopment doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Community development certainly is not supposed to be that way. Um, so I think it's really important that when we talk about gentrification, we're talking about the negative effects of displacement, higher property values, higher rents, businesses being unable to, to hold on, and a group of people hurting as a result. So why do you think Philadelphia has kind of flown under the national radar as it pertains to gentrification? Because most people would think of San Francisco or New York or Washington, D.C., but I don't think Philadelphia would be on the national consciousness as being a, a, a really tough place. Yeah, a lot of people were very surprised by NCRC's findings, but it's actually quite logical when you think about it, mm-hmm. uh, because places like San Francisco and New York and Washington, their their affordable homes are, go- are mostly gone, right? Like, the redevelopment has happened already and happened so quickly and happened at such a huge scale that they gentrified a longer period of time ago. Um, Philadelphia has historically been an affordable city. Of course, we are a city that was in decline for a number of years until relatively recently, but the changes that have been happening in the last few years have been have been rapid. And I think that's why they really zeroed in looking at Philadelphia. And I think that's a charge for us as people who care about our city and love our city and, and know that we need investment and redevelopment, but, but also really want to attack issues of inequality and, and displacement to think, well, let's do this differently than they did it in those other places. Let's, let's revitalize Philadelphia in a way that actually benefits the people that are here. So let's learn from the examples of our brethren cities, so to, so to speak. So you've written that Philadelphia's past has been marred by decisions that have caused disinvestment. Can you give us a little bit of a historical context and what are some of those decisions that have happened in the past. Sure. And it's not just Philadelphia. It's lots of other uh, cities in the country. But um, I think many people are familiar now with uh, with redlining that happened uh, decades ago that denied um, black families the opportunity to purchase homes and get mortgages in many of our neighborhoods. I think we know about um, the issues of um, uh, urban renewal that cleared out entire communities and displaced people from neighborhoods that are now very vibrant uh, and and moved them out. Um, I think we're you know um, you know also familiar with you know since then of course the decades of disinvestment that have stripped resources out of the cities and pushed it into the suburbs. Whether it's through building highways or other decisions made by the uh, federal government in terms of mortgage and lending, um, and that really left our cities um, and many many of our neighborhoods here in. Philadelphia devoid of jobs and opportunity. That's also, I should say, where community development corporations were created, is mm-hmm. in that in that uh, vacancy, in that absence of people in their neighborhoods coming together and say, well, what are we going to do to fix this together? Of course, neighborhoods change. Neighborhoods always change. You know, my neighborhood in South Philadelphia was once primarily an Italian and Irish immigrant neighborhood. Now it's a mix of Asian and Mexican, uh, white and black neighbors all living next to each other. And in the future, it might be something different. You know, we don't know. So neighborhoods are always going to change. But I think the important thing is we want to make sure that when they change, especially when they change for the better, that people that want to stay can People that want to benefit from good things that are happening can. So gentrification in places like Fishtown and Northern Liberties makes it clear that the process can happen extremely rapidly. Uh, What are some other neighborhoods that are currently at risk for um, rapid residential 
you know, resident displacement. Yeah. So again, I'll come back to that um, uh, South Philadelphia, west of Broad, uh, uh, often known as Point Breeze. Um, some people refer to some of the neighborhoods there as Newbold. Some people call it South Center City. Everybody might have their own name for it. But that's an area, again, where we had lots of vacancy, lots of vacant properties, uh, lots of um, low cost um, homes. And we had a lot of developers coming in, buying up those vacant uh, properties, buying up uh, those homes and building much bigger three, four story homes. You know, on one corner, I looked at a couple of years ago, you could a few years earlier buy a two story row house for $30,000, $40,000. And around the corner, a developer had built something selling for $700,000. So that's a very big change for people in that in that neighborhood. So it's just another kind of hot point. But I do want to say I think there are there are a few places in Philadelphia where gentrification is pretty rapid and pretty noticeable. There are lots of parts in Philadelphia where it is not, where a, where a lack of equity, a lack of equitable development, a lack of resources and disinvestment is still a real issue. Tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you come into this this line of work? Because it is a very particular aspect of uh, public policy. Yeah, so I've been doing policy advocacy as an activist since I was 18 years old, moving from different nonprofit organizations and working on different issues, ranging from protecting the environment to protecting consumers. I actually spent a number of years working in community media, in fact, working to promote community radio, um, just like, like uh, G-Town United. Yeah, I worked on the legislation that got uh, the Local Community Radio Act through Congress, along with lots of other people, of course. Um, And then when I um, left that job, I was looking for an opportunity to keep doing the advocacy and activism um, for the public interest and social justice that I cared about. And I really wanted to focus on how to do it in a way that made my city the greatest city in the world, because I already knew it was. And so I was so lucky when the Philadelphia Association of CDCs had this policy director job open, and I applied for that. And I've been doing this work with PACDC ever since. It's been about six years. Great. So tell us a little bit more about PACDC's mission and how it touches the lives of ordinary Philadelphians. Yeah, so we're a membership association of about 100, I think we're up to about 130 organizations throughout the city now. Uh, a big chunk of them are CDCs and the other are associate members or other nonprofits or organizations that care about revitalizing Philadelphia equitably. Um, and we do basically two things for them. We do policy and advocacy, which is my job. So I spend some, a lot of time in City Hall working with City mm-hmm. Council and the mayor's office. Um, and then we also do training and technical assistance to help them build the skills and the knowledge and get the access to the resources that they need to, to do their job. So Germantown United CDC is a perfect example. I know they're a partner here in G-Town Radio. Uh, and just up the road, they're one of our member organizations. And so we're really excited to see how well they're doing and growing and bringing more resources to Germantown. So you've written that, you know, it's not enough for policymakers and city officials to try to fix the problem in the present, but they also need to remedy the errors of the past. So what are some of the solutions on a policy level that you are advocating for? Sure. I think one of the most obvious one is in affordable housing. I've often heard people say, we don't have an affordable housing problem. We have a poverty problem. We have an income problem. And I just don't think you can separate those two things. People that have been stuck in low-wage jobs, working multiple jobs, barely making ends meet. People have been dealing with chronic unemployment for a very long period of time. People are stuck in generational cycles of poverty. You know, a, a jobs program is not enough. It's important, but it's not enough. And a growing economy in the city on its own is not enough. It's not going to trickle down uh, to benefit those folks unless we're really deliberate and really strategic about it. So there's a lot of things we can do. Affordable housing is just one. Um, And it's making sure that we have affordable units, quality, safe, and near good amenities like grocery stores and schools and parks and transit, every part 
of the city. And it's also about using our affordable housing resources to improve the neighborhoods and communities that currently lack all those amenities. Turning vacant lots into affordable homes for seniors, for example, uh, is a way that we redevelop that community and make it a a greater place to live for everybody in the neighborhood. We have achieved some big victories on that, uh, working with City Council President Daryl Clark, Councilwoman Maria Quinones-Sanchez, Councilman Squilla, and others, along with the Mayor Kenny. Last year, we secured uh, a commitment to fund our local, to increase the funding for our local housing trust fund. Uh, By now, it's about $80 million over five years. So we're really excited to see that money hit the ground and benefit people in all our neighborhoods. So that fund, how how is that fund uh, dispersed? How how do regular residents get to participate in a fund like that? So the fund particularly goes to like nonprofits or other entities that actually develop or rehab affordable housing. Um, I will say the first dollars that have hit the street have actually, though, been in a home ownership assistance program. So about $3 million was just made available last week. Um, And if you uh, are looking to buy a home for the first time in the city of Philadelphia and you're income eligible, you can go to one of our housing counseling agencies, and I'll give you the website in a second. Uh, If you go through a housing counseling program, you can get up to $10,000 or 6%, whichever is lower, um, of the cost of the property for down payment assistance. And so that's a way to help people, again, own something in the city and build wealth in a way that will grow because the city is growing and property values are, are increasing. So um, before we went on the air, you were telling me about a a video on YouTube. um, And this is kind of going back to the historical context question. It was kind of like a a time capsule, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think you you raised this really important question about the history. Like what what made Philadelphia what it is today? What are the decisions we made in the past that got us here? And how can we learn from that to do things different? Like if if they had gone down a different path, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah, it would have. And so there's a really fascinating, uh, it's a documentary called Form, Design, and the City. And you can Google that on YouTube, and it's a, about an hour-long black-and-white documentary about Philadelphia's first city plan. When the City Planning Commission was very first created, I think probably some of your listeners are familiar with the name Ed Bacon, who was a, a giant of city planning in Philadelphia, and it really showed um, all of the decisions that they were making about the future of Philadelphia, what we were going to build, where we were going to build it. And some of those things are really fascinating, like, oh, look, they built the municipal services building right there. I go into it every day, and here it is, their plan for it. It's interesting. But some of it really is an incredible lesson learned about, they call slum clearance, right? Removing entire communities, displacing them deliberately, moving them out um, into neighborhoods that are now Society Hill, right? And now, you know, places that are very desirable. What if we did it differently then? What if we revitalized those places and allowed those people to stay and benefit from it? You know, how, how could Philadelphia be different? Similarly, they talk about Eastwick, you know, and um, if your listeners are familiar, Eastwick redevelopment has been plagued with so many issues over the decades, very an inequitable set of decisions. And uh, folks in those communities have been really hurt by it. Uh, there was a whole renegotiation recently between the Redevelopment Authority and neighbor, neighbors in Eastwick to, to rectify those issues and address them. And you can see the seeds uh, of those issues in, in that film from 1963. So it's a, if you're interested in development and Philadelphia and in planning, it's a fascinating view into our history, but also into our present. So looking across the United States, are there any other cities that you think are doing a really good job as it pertains to really kind of thoughtful progress and intentional policy development as it pertains to um, housing and community development 
I think lots of cities are struggling with this. And like we were talking about earlier, some of them, are things are so far gone, it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, right? Like housing prices are so ridiculous in places like San Francisco um, that you, 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 you can't build your way out of the problem. There's no land left to build on for affordable housing. So it's a big challenge there. I will say something, though, that, um, and this is controversial with the development community. I know some of your listeners were not like this, but most big cities like Philadelphia have policies called inclusionary zoning or mixed income housing. It's in the Bay Area, it's in Seattle, it's in Chicago, Washington, DC, New York, Boston. So most of these places, and it basically requires that when developers build new, that they set aside a certain number of units for income restricted tenants or buyers, or in some cases, pay a fee into the housing trust fund to Mm -hmm. subsidize the development of affordable homes or rehab of affordable Mm -hmm. homes in other places. Uh, Obviously, the development community does not like this idea because it's money out of their pockets. And it sure is. And you know, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoated. It does mean less profit for developers. But in turn, we usually offer things like a tax abatement or a density bonus, a zoning density bonus, or, you know, we haven't done this here in Philadelphia, but I think we should parking offsets. So these are the kinds of things that other cities have really been leading on and doing that Philadelphia could look to. I will say that where Philadelphia really is leading is in trying to prevent uh, displacement of homeowners. We have a lot of programs here that help people who own their homes stay in them. Um, Uh, to save them from mortgage foreclosure, tax foreclosure, rehab and repair. If you're behind on your property taxes, we have property tax assistance payment programs. And there's been some research done recently by the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia that seems to indicate that those things might be working. And they may have actually prevented displacement of homeowners post-implementation of what's called the Actual Value Initiative, which some of your listeners might be familiar with. Back in 2013, when Philadelphia redid our whole property tax system, we redid the whole property tax system system and some people's property taxes tripled or doubled or quadrupled. Post-AVI, property tax delinquency did go up, but the the number of the amount of displacement did not. So it seems to indicate that these assistance programs may have made a difference. But one thing I think that we haven't quite figured out yet is how we're, what's happening to small businesses. So when a neighborhood changes and new businesses move in and property taxes go up and uh, real rents go up and sale prices go up, um, often the residents change and the goods and services that they're looking for change. And so we'll often have kind of legacy small businesses that may still be serving lots of people in that neighborhood with goods and services at price points that they can afford. But if they can't stay and, and they move out and close up shop, the residents that are there then are like, well, why? I, can't, I have to go further and further and further out of my own neighborhood to find the things that I want. So they may move too. So it's a different kind of displacement. It's a, a more of a cultural displacement or a, a commercial displacement that may not be related to their own rents or home prices. And the irony is that a lot of those small businesses are some of the most visible signs of the, the character or culture of yeah. a neighborhood. Ironically enough, is partly why outsiders were attracted to the neighborhood exactly because it had that flavor it had that that characteristic yeah and there's been actually something in the news just in the last uh, two uh, weeks or so in south philadelphia sorry i keep coming back to south philadelphia because it's where i live so it's what i know the best but um, also around broad in washington there's an old shopping plaza uh that has been yeah yeah, vietnamese Vietnamese, yeah been a vietnamese uh uh, shopping destination it's actually i think one of the first vietnamese shopping plazas in philadelphia and there are some great places in there by the way there's a restaurant in there has the best pho that i've ever had I love it. I go uh, several times a year. And that uh, developer recently bought that and is going to be tearing it down and building townhomes. And as far as I as far as I understand now, there's not going to be any com- ground floor commercial. So the business owners won't have a chance to come back. 
So maybe they'll find a new, maybe they'll be able to re- relocate and but, find another place. Maybe not. You know, one of the owners says, look, it's just too, like, I, it's too much. Like I can't find, I'm a bakery. I have to move all of this equipment. I have to find a place I can afford. You know, that it, it, he feels like it's the end of his business. Now, some of those businesses have been getting organized and trying to see, can we convince the council person and the developer to put some ground floor commercial here so we can come back? And I think that would be, a, if it's possible, that would be a great resolution that the you know the businesses get to benefit from a new building and new development, get to stay. And I bet you those tenants would be pretty excited to have some really great Vietnamese food and offerings on their ground floor. Um, but right now, it's not looking so good for them. So that's just another example of how we don't really have a lot of programs in place to help small businesses. I should also say very quickly, and we can get into this more later, that we have small businesses, even on places like Pashunk Avenue, where everybody thinks, well, that's like hoity-toity, very expensive, fancy, that they're struggling to afford their property taxes too. They're small independent businesses. They're not these big chains. They're mom and pop stores. And they may not be selling to low-income clientele. They're selling to more moderate income, to upper-income people, but their property taxes have tripled. And so they're really struggling to keep it together too. Um, I would say that small businesses in particular, if you're listening to this, I would love to hear from you because we're working with the Philadelphia Department of Commerce to see if we can come up with some small business programs to help them, again, benefit from revitalization and change and not get displaced. So maybe when we're done, I'll, I'll shout out my contact info. Okay, well, no, this is a good time to do that. So for, for folks that want to follow up with you and get more information, how, how can they reach out? Yeah, so if you go to our website, www.pacd c.org that's pacdc.org if you click on the contact us button or the staff button you'll you'll be able to find our phone number and my email address and you can get in touch with us that way i'm also on twitter at bam b-a-m in philly or at philly cdc's So folks, we've been talking today with Beth McConnell, Policy Director of the Philadelphia Association of Community Development Corporations. Uh, Beth, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Alina. It's been great to be here. That's it, folks. We're at the end of another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Um, Remember, if you want to get past episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can also find episodes on the Jumpstart Germantown website, which is jumpstartgermantown.com. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I will be back again next week with another episode. So until then, have a great weekend. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye.